Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. And they were singing, Bye, bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rice, singing, This will be the day that I die. This will be the day that I die. I hope to infect. Greg's infect over and over. Yeah. That did happen, actually. That did happen. How's it going, everybody? My name is Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And you are listening to The Command Zone. It's a podcast about Commander. And uh, we have a very, very fun, exciting episode today. But of course, we also have a little bit of upkeep to do. So let's get right to it. First up, and very importantly, this show is brought to you by the one, the only card, Kingdom.com, Seattle's greatest LGS, if I may say so myself. It's also one of the best online stores, and you can support the show by buying through our affiliate link. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. It's almost time for the holidays. It's time to buy awesome gifts for all your friends. Card yeah. Kingdom is the place to get them. Actually, if you look behind Josh's head, they have uh, the You Plane got Chase one already. Oh, I yeah. haven't ordered mine yet. I sleeved it all up. I'm ready to play. I'm really? very excited. Yeah. Well, I, I, I lost my invitation. Do you want to not? We could just skip the podcast today. <laughs> just play some Plane Tempting. Chase instead. Tempting. Um, yeah, but it's a great place. Again, they have super fast shipping. You can buy something to get to you within like a couple of days. Uh, it's perfect for the holidays, especially if you're like doing some last minute shopping. That's what I always do. Last minute shopping. I don't actually <laughs> know if there's another kind of shopping. Nope. Yeah, it's like the 22nd. Oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. That's when Card Kingdom is great, actually. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, something else that's great. Yeah. We just came out with another gameplay video. Ooh, and there's a name for it and everything. Uh, now, the first gameplay we video that we did was for Commander 2016. It was just the pre-constructed deck straight out of the box, and it was called Out of the Box, but we realized... That's not going to work for, for you know... <laughs> Normal gameplay videos. Yeah, and everyone uh, really dug the original video, so of course we had to do more, and especially because now we have a Patreon, and our patrons are directly responsible for giving us the funding and support that we need to keep making these gameplay videos for you guys. Right, so the series is called Game Nights. The game Game Knigets, as uh, the Monty Python people would say. Yeah. Game Nights, and the, sec- the first episode of Game Nights is out. We actually play the uh, Cadell and Bruce Tarl deck that I talked about last episode and Brea's, the Brea deck that Jimmy talked about mm-hmm. on that same episode. So you can see those in action. You can also see our frequent co-host, I guess, Craig yeah. Blanchett, and he's doing his favorite thing, which is infecting everyone. Yeah, and this is the first time we've ever actually really seen it I guess on first time you guys will see it. We've (laughs) seen it many times. Yeah, and it's great. Our friend Vinny also joined the show with the Kaneos and Tiro deck, so it's awesome. Uh, If you guys go to Patreon.com/slash Command Zone, you can find out all about how you can support the show, and also uh, our patrons got an early access look at the entire episode before anyone else. So we're always going to be helping out our patrons because they're helping us make the content possible. Yeah, if you like the gameplay video, if you like Kitchen Table Fables and stuff like that, of course, if you like the Command Zone, which I hope you do because you're listening right now, then patreon.com slash command zone is the place to go to make sure we keep making that content that you like. Yeah. Speaking of that very first video out, 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 uh, out, out of the, the box, box, the guy that got us the product early ahead of time so we could make <gasps> that video is actually on the line. We've got Trick Jarrett from Wizards of the Coast. Hello, Trick. Hey, guys. How you doing? Great. It's so awesome to have you on. We've been talking about this for a long time. We're, we're happy it could finally happen. A very yeah. long time. 
totally. It feels like we've it feels like we've been talking about this for years, and it finally it just you guys messaged me with like four days notice. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I think it actually has been years. Um, I first uh, really got to meet you at the Community Cup two years ago. I think right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and then it was like, oh, Trick, you play a ton of Commander. You should come on the show sometime. You're always tweeting about Commander, and mm-hmm. we're always like, we should get you on the show. And you're always like, I should be on the show. And then, you know, <laughs> it finally happened. You, you well, I'm all, excited to finally be here. You should all follow Trick on Twitter, at TrickMTG. Uh, Trick, you do this awesome thing where you are constantly upgrading your decks, and you show what cards you're taking out and what cards you're putting in from new sets, or you just have new ideas. And I think that's actually really informative for someone that um, either plays standard or likes to keep up with current sets and also wants to upgrade their decks at the same time. Yeah, I uh, I sort of view myself as the like the guy who fixes up old cars of Magic. <laughs> <laughs> like like my hobby isn't i mean i'll play i'll draft and i'll play other types of magic but commander is the main way i play mm-hmm. and half of the fun for me is upkeep and maintenance of these decks and finding new crazy cards that i've never thought of or that i haven't seen other people play and going oh let me throw this in here and see how it does yeah that is a novel thing especially when someone else goes wow i've never seen that card played before and it's doing work it's the best when you play a yep. card and they literally like take out their phone to take a picture of it because like, <laughs> yep. i gotta remember that one <laughs> that is the best feeling <laughs> it's like i win if that, i don't care what happens in the game now yep. you're a you're a car mechanic for edh but what is your actual job title at wizards of the coast so my official title is manager comma community and content for magic or the the more Easily spoken title is the Global Content and Community Manager for Magic. So I oversee, um, largely my my role now focuses on our community team here in the U.S. and abroad. And I work closely with Blake on the content side of things and with the brand managers and all that sort of stuff to talk about and figure out how we're going to talk about and when we're going to talk about the sets and all of that sort of fun stuff. That's awesome. And so, of course, you work very closely with all of our good friends, for instance, the Magic the Amateuring people. Uh, we've had Allison Lures on the show before, who you also work with. So you are obviously a very well-known and well-liked figure, Trick, because we love you. I'd say well, a lot of the you. time when we have product from Wizards, it's coming from Trick. I mean, like the standard showdown packs uh, mm-hmm. from last episode were from Trick. So he's the guy to thank for a lot of that stuff. So let me just say on behalf of our listeners, thank you, Trick. Thank you, Trick. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And my inbox <laughs> hates you because I know I'm going to come back to a bunch of email next uh, after this episode, but that's Trick, all right. give us no, the it's world. It's true. Like, it's very true. Part of my job is helping... Uh, like I, I focused more on my internal side of things, but a lot of what I do externally is focus on the connections and talking to the folks who create content for magic, whether they're article mm-hmm. writers, site runners, streamers, podcasters. And so I, I talk to them fairly regularly and I try to keep in touch. And if they have something they want to do, if they want to interview somebody, if they want to get some information, then I try to be either the go-to resource or be the hub that they can come to and I can put them in touch with the right person. That's awesome. So, yeah. can you get us in touch with Trick? <laughs> because we want to talk to him about Commander. We hear he plays a lot. Oh, man. Hang on a second. Let me get him on the phone for you. I've got, I've got his cell. I'll, I'll get you. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so, Trick, how often do you get to play Commander? Uh, it will vary. Uh, I happened to play yesterday during the day. I got nice. a game in. And then, speaking of, there goes my phone. Sorry about that. Oh, it's Trick calling. <laughs> Trick's, Trick's getting back to me, yeah. Um, so... I would say on average, I play probably once a week. Uh, at a peak, I'll play two to three paper games uh, over the course of a week. 
There is a weekly commander group that meets up at Wizards on Fridays. Uh, it's pretty common for the business for the company to be. Um, everyone does half day Fridays, and so there's a group that meets up for, at, starting at like one o'clock, and people can play. And there's probably a dozen or so who meet regularly, and then there's others who rotate through. I don't play with them a super uh, super regularly, but I play mm-hmm. with them sometimes. And then there's uh, the play group that you know is on my team, on the content team. Blake Rasmussen, the content um, editor, content manager for Daily MTG, is a big commander player, and the others on our team. And just you know having people I, I go to and hang out with Scott Larrabee, uh, Ron Foster, all those sorts of people also. So I would say on average I probably play one to two games a week. Uh, obviously that'll drop to none depending on what's going on, and sometimes it'll spike even higher. But yeah, I play a fair bit. It sounds like there's a lot of commander being played at, at Wizards, though. That's mm-hmm. you know that's that's a couple of different groups. Yeah, just pick up games sort of happening here and there, and and then yeah. a, a weekly group as well. That's I mean, really cool. It, yeah. It's definitely present. I don't want to give the belief that it's in anywhere near the level of play for say drafting or mm-hmm. sealed right. or things like that. But it's definitely it's definitely got a good presence at Wizards. Now, uh, obviously, everyone at Wizards loves this game, and they're playing it because they love it. Do we, do you find that the play group at Wizards or the people that you play with tend to be more combo centric? They want to win more. Oh, Are they all about pimping out their decks? Yeah, I want to know like that kind of mentality, and, and if or if it's just you know very widespread as well. Um, I would say there's a lot of diversity. Uh, the Friday group tends to be more on the competitive side, playing mm-hmm. to win. I definitely lean on the, I'm just here to ha- hang out with friends and happen to be playing Magic while we're hanging out. Uh, there, so there's a pretty good diversity. I, I would say it probably trends slightly towards the casual commander. Uh, do silly things less than make the most cutthroat deck possible. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're playing with Blake Rasmussen, who is, of course, <laughs> the con of value and always <laughs> out for the win. You know, it's funny... Um, and I should plug something here. Recently on Commander Versus, which is a YouTube uh, show that you can find, um, Jeremy Knoll had approached us and uh, wanted a deck from us. So I gave the Tim deck, and they got a deck from the Professor. Mm-hmm. They got a deck from Commander in the podcast, and they got one of Blake's decks. Oh, yeah. And so they played all the decks. <laughs> and so uh, if you find that episode... Uh, I think it says Riku of Two Reflections, but it's really the Tim deck from, yeah. from me. Uh, a fun yeah. episode. But yeah, so I got to virtually play against Blake, which was fun. And I beat him. I crushed him. <laughs> oh, nice. You did. Perfect. Yeah. I, I, think, I think he sent in his rune deck, yeah, if he I did. remember. Oh, boy. That which, sounds Which crazy. is a fun one. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw the pre-pre-release for Kaladesh, but, oh, yeah. but Blake forced, just jammed Panharmonicon in his deck just for maximum utter value. And it was awesome. Yeah. It was straight awesome. Yeah, that was incredible. <laughs> yeah, Blake... Blake I call him the con of value because when he joined us, it was around cons of Tarkir, mm-hmm. and so, and he he plays magic to gain value. That is his his core pleasure center for magic, <laughs> and he has a mono white commander deck. I forget which commander it is, but uh, mm. it's really a blue deck that's just masquerading as a white deck. I think it's a Heliod as the commander. Wow, uh, interesting, very interesting. And, and he built that because I had given him so much trouble for always playing blue, oh. and. Uh, so he was like, "Hey, watch this! I can b- build something that's not blue." Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'll it ends get up being value. almost blue. <laughs> you watch. You just wait and see. Um, I, go ahead. I was gonna say I, I love that competitive esque spirit. It's not necessarily like hardcore, like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna level up my deck so you can't beat it anymore." But it's like, "Hey, I'm gonna challenge you to do something new with your deck." Right. And Blake obviously rose to the challenge, which is pretty neat. 
Yeah. So let's talk about Atraxa because we're going to discuss your Atraxa deck, sort of what you've done to it, you know, why you made the choices that you have. Um, I'll read Atraxa really quick just so that I think most people know, but just in case. Mm-hmm. Atraxa Praetor's voice is the white, blue, black, and green four-color commander, so redless, for a 4-4 with flying, vigilance, death touch, and lifelink, and says, at the beginning of your end step, proliferate. Again, proliferate is you choose any number of permanents and or players that have a counter of them on them, and then you add one of those counters. So you can simultaneously give all your guys that already have a plus one, plus one counter another one, and give that player over there that has one infect to infect. So it's pretty good. Uh, proliferate yeah. is one of those things that it seems like, oh, you're only doing an end step one time. It's like, eh, when, when there are a lot of counters on things, you're not doing it just once. You're doing it across a whole laundry list of things. And, uh, well, we, we, we got to play against a little Infect deck with the tracks as oh, well, man. and that was real oh, rough. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that that's not the course that you took with your deck here. No, and I'll be honest with you, that never really crossed my mind. Oh, because you're a good person. <laughs> yeah. That's right, because at right, heart, Craig. I'm a good person, and uh, I don't want people to hate me after we play Magic. Um, though now that you say it, it is interesting. Like, Uh-oh, we just doomed everyone at WotC. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a different deck that's my spiky deck that I break out when I need to. Mm-hmm. We all have um, that deck, I think, which is, I guess in Blake's case, it's every deck, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so, but no, so... My mine is basically just continuing the theme from the precon. I'm not I'm not taking it in any new directions right mm-hmm. yet. Uh, I definitely had some interesting ideas that I I might do down the road because. So what, what what the deal is is that I I have a commander deck box or a, a quiver that I carry and it, it fits five decks and those five are the ones that I consider an active rotation mm-hmm. and I always keep one of them to be a modified version of a precon. Oh, so cool. it was uh, Daxos on what was it? Dax the the black white Daxos um, from the, the 2015 Commander decks. Jimmy's like, let me look behind me because I have it right <laughs> here. Yeah, it's on the shelf. <laughs> Unhallowed or something like that. Yeah, Un- the yeah they returned one one black Un- white. Return, that's it. Yeah. Um, and so that was the the one that was in here that de- that attracts the replaced. And so I I never take the commander and build it from the ground up. I take it and modify the deck that I got out of the box. Oh, that's so, great. The first step for me, <laughs> I, I chuckle because it's it's such a a um, working at wizards sort of thing, which <laughs> is I took the deck and then I took literally a um, a bundle a fat pack box of of singles that I have that is just a collection of random cards from either past commander decks or things I traded for, mm-hmm. and I just looked through it and went okay this will fit in this will fit in this will fit in, and uh, that's sort of what ended up being this first um, set of changes that we're, we're going to talk about. That's great. And so this box that you have, uh, you, you, how, do, how do cards make their way into it? Uh, quite literally, it's usually like a weekend where I'm home alone and the wife's out or uh, I've got some time and I just go through the, the stuff that I have and I go, okay, this is a, a commander card. I, I might play it sometime or there's mm-hmm. an interesting idea here or it's a commander staple that I just know I need multiple copies of, things like that. Can, let's rewind for a second here, Trick, because I'm curious. There were a bunch of decks to choose from, uh, you know, five specifically. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what made you sort of drawn towards Atraxa as opposed to one of the other ones? Uh, so I had played them all at some point during development. And then uh, when they came out, Atraxa was the one that just I, I liked the most. Um, 
I like proliferate as a mechanic. I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that it's not a commander that is immediately threatening to the opponent. Like my big one of my big frustrations when I play commander is if I um, so I have a, a a super friends deck, and if I as soon as I start playing a, a planeswalker, no matter which one it is, no matter how threatening or, or not threatening it is, I immediately become the target. Right. And while Atraxa is a powerful creature, she's just a four four. And she has she relies on me having other things for her ability to actually be good, right? Mm-hmm. And so from the from the table politics standpoint, that's attractive to me because it means that I have the opportunity to sort of sit back and not immediately be on the defensive when I pull my commander out. That's actually a really good point, um, especially because if you were building this to be a Voltron deck, then obviously Atraxa is very dangerous because she comes out and right. it's like, holy crap, this thing's going to beat everyone down and it's going to be vigilant. It's going to gain you a ton of life. But in this case, if you're sticking towards sort of the, pre- the pre-con build, she doesn't actually, and we found this to be the case too, unless you have a lot of other stuff going on, her entering the battlefield isn't terrifying. Right. <laughs> you just yeah. don't fear it. So then you're not like default setting attack the Atraxa deck because right. it's not like Atraxa herself is so scary. Whereas you know, Saskia might be a lot more scary. Saskia yep. comes down and someone already knows that, oh, I'm... You gonna... could just name me, and I can't even do anything because you attack somebody else, and it's just like, I can't even stop you. Like, it, right. it doesn't even matter what my board looks like. So, yeah, certainly. Yeah, so that's way more scary. So the default settings, like, maybe I have to just kill the the Saskia deck fast, but Atraxa doesn't feel that way. It's really... I like that way of thinking about all commanders whenever you're choosing them mm-hmm. um, as sort of like a hidden power of that commander is that they're just less threatening. Yeah, right? Um, now, quick question: uh, the Daxos deck that was the sort of that filled the slot of the precon that you had modified um, in this first draft that we're going to talk about today. We have about ten cards that you took out and replaced for the Atraxa deck. How many cards do you think in the Daxos deck were taken out and replaced by the time that Atraxa made her way into the quiver? Uh, probably, probably in the twenty to thirty range. Mm-hmm. Like I, I still I kept it enchantment themed. I kept it largely utility stuff i i didn't really take any serious uh change in path as i made those cards but over the course of the year i probably made 20 cards maybe 30 card changes i like that i like the idea of slow upgrading i think one thing that intimidates a lot of people for commander is here's just the commander build the whole deck around it that's how i built my first deck it came out awful i spent way too much time (laughs) putting stuff in there that i just didn't even didn't even think about having knowing how it worked or anything so i i I highly recommend this by the way this strategy for anyone that's jumping into the format and obviously it's worked out very well with these new precons because they're all pretty powerful and fun yeah this is like maybe the best year ever i think of commander stuff since we've started the show at least yeah certainly yeah this all these decks are great and you guys had access to these decks for a while at the office right to be able to play test and and pass around and sort of see what was going on with them um i would say people in the built office definitely did i played one round of them during early play test as i recall Mm -hmm. and then uh we got a chance to play with them probably a couple of months before release and but I I wouldn't say that like I haven't been sitting here for six months thinking about this deck and figuring <laughs> out what, what changes I was going to be making. <laughs> what well, right? Okay, yeah. I, I was curious how that works. Is it sort of a thing where like I, I'm just curious how it works within Wizards? Is there sort of like a sign up sheet like, hey, are you interested in playing with the new Commander decks or like how does that work exactly? Sign me up. Um, part of it is being known to R and D and the folks there who need people there to play test. So like if if uh. I'll, 
R&D knows that I'm a commander player. Mm -hmm. I'll get an invite to say, hey, come play commander. And you'll show up and I'll hand you a deck and you you sit down and play test with it. There's also uh, a semi-regular play group, that sort of thing. But it's I, I don't want to dive too much into it because I'm not in R&D. I don't want to speak <laughs> for them. But my involvement is usually someone emails me going, hey, Trick, do you want to play test? And I'll go, sure. Pretty cool job, though. I mean, sometimes yeah. you just get invited to go play commander. I don't get that at my job, do you? No, and we've stopped inviting Josh to play Commander with us as well, so this is a bit of a... Oh, wait a minute. That explains a lot. Uh, just kidding. All right, well, let's go through some of the cards that you took out and some of the cards that you added into the deck. Um, the first one up, I think, is a card that pretty much fits into any deck that has green in it. It's just Birds of Paradise. Uh, yeah. It's a green for a zero-one flying bird, and you can tap it to add mana of any one color to your mana pool. Um and interestingly enough, you also took out a card that had basic land cycling, which was Migratory Route. So yep. have you found any mana problems so far with playing these four-color decks? I know that was sort of a concern of some people. Um, I haven't really. Even before I, I changed these cards out, the mana base is pretty solid. Uh, I just want, I mean, over the time, I'll definitely be upgrading this deck. And these were the ones, like the, the Birds of Paradise is a perfect example of one of those cards that I just consider a commander staple. Mm-hmm. Whenever I come across a copy, I throw it in this this collectum box, and it's one that I pulled out when I was going through it for the deck. Yeah, it's such a innocuous card that I think a lot of people see mana dorks like Elvish Mystics and stuff and go like, oh, but it can die so easily. At the same time, it's really hard to find a one-mana card that's going to give you something of any color, which is why Birds of right. Paradise is just that good. So even if it does that, you're, you're going to hopefully get some use out of it before the good old birds get perished. I also actually kind of like it in this deck because it gives you value early and then it taps for mana. And later, if you can just start putting a couple counters on it, then it's going to grow and grow. And it's a flyer. Yeah. Yep. So it's possible for it to be like a you know 5-6 or 6-7 at some point. And then it's like a real actual threat. Yeah. And not the most difficult thing for the Atraxa deck to accomplish. Not to mention there is a lot of flavor here. I don't know if this was intended, but yeah. <laughs> it's a Birds of Paradise replacing a Migratory Root, which creates bird tokens. <laughs> so Were you like, listen, I'm taking out a bird, I got to put a bird in? <laughs> uh, sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> Um, now, another thing that is very uh, common in the colors of green uh, is tutors for creatures, and you threw an Eladomri's Call, which is green-white for an instant, search your library for a creature card, reveal that card, and put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Tutors, they're always a controversial subject on the show. They're of good. varying power levels. What do you think about them in general? I mean, obviously, you, you like them, because uh, it is in the deck. Yeah, I, I, I think it was a conversation I had probably six or seven years ago with with uh adrian sullivan who is known for as a deck brewer and competitive magic player and his main complaint about commander was the fact that i could be misattributing it but i think it was Mm -hmm. sullivan uh talking about how in his mind you know commander would be better if there were no tutors if you weren't allowed to tutor Mm -hmm. uh because allowing yourself to tutor sort of overcomes the inherent deck building restrictions of the format. Ah, interesting. And I try to walk the line. I don't want to put 10 tutors in my deck, but there's definitely um, value to having them. And Eladomri's Call is one of those fun, flavorful ones. And it's an older card that you know players don't necessarily know. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, it was in my box, so it made it to this deck. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point. Um, Adrian Sullivan uh, also notably is like he loves to play control and stuff too. Uh, and 
those decks play a lot of card draw, which in a way is a very slow form of tutoring. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I think he definitely has a valid point. I think people that over tutor in commander can sometimes just their deck becomes closer to a constructed deck than anything else. Right. Um, but you know, sometimes you have to find answers cause someone else drew something off the top that is just going to dominate the board or you need a utility creature for one reason or another to just make sure you're still in the game. So I of course approve. Uh, oh, well, geez. You know, I don't think we actually talked about doubling season on our episode about Atraxa. We didn't. This is a good card to add to this deck. Probably one of the strongest cards you can add to any deck that <laughs> likes counters or tokens or anything, really. So I, I like the box that you've got here because you had doubling season in it. <laughs> yeah, can I borrow your box? Uh, I'll take some cards out of it. <laughs> Did you just have it left over from the first Modern Masters? I don't know, but this card. Um, doubling season... Oh, geez, it's a lot of text to read. It just doubles the amount of tokens and or counters that you put on stuff, basically. Mm -hmm. Notably for Planeswalkers as well, because you do have a Super Friends deck, right? Yeah, it actually came out of the Super Friends deck because I felt like that was making it... Well, so again, this goes back to... I'm not the super spiky player, and I Mm -hmm. try to walk the line between the deck that everyone hates playing against and a deck that does cool stuff. And so... uh, I pulled it out of Super Friends because I felt like it was making it too powerful, too over, too dominant. Uh, and that's just one of those things I do. I pulled a Goblin Recruiter out of my Goblin deck because it was oh. one of those decks. Not Goblin Yeah, Recruiter. Yeah. 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 It's Goblin uh, card's recruiter. amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I pulled it out because it was one of those cards that when I play it and everyone at the table stops having fun. Right. I, that's not a card that I, I, unless it's critical to my deck's success, I'll pull it out. That's so really Doubling Season has made it to attract, so we'll see if it stays. It I will seems say like the, power, the power level is much lower here than it is yeah. in the Super Friends deck, for sure. It's way harder to sort of play Doubling Season and then in this deck play one card that just wins you the game after that. Mm-hmm. Right, which, exactly. which is, there's a million Planeswalkers that'll sort of do that with Doubling yeah. Season out. So. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. But that's a cool philosophy, and it's interesting. I'm very loath to sort of power down my decks because it feels bad the next time I play them, so I usually just build new ones, but... Man, I wish I could. I wish I could. There's some decks where I'm like, ah, I sort of wish I could just pull a few cards out. Hey, maybe now's the time. Maybe you've inspired me, Trick. Josh is just going to put in more card draw or something else, though. More <laughs> Josh, whatever I can do to make you a better person <laughs> makes me yeah. feel nice and warm. We do want to invite Josh back to the playgroup at some point. So. Um, now, I really like this edition uh, because it's a card that I've always wanted to put in a lot of decks. And I think this is sort of the beauty of, of, of not limiting yourself to only the best, most powerful cards, which... I know we've had some people talk to the show and be like, guys, all you want to do is win. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah. But also, <laughs> you know, sometimes it feels like it kills a little bit of the fun. But Death's Presence is a card from Return to Ravnica. Five in the green. It's an enchantment. So it's a six-mana enchantment. And whenever a creature you control dies, put X plus one plus one counters on a target creature you control where X is the power of the creature that died. Um, this card, I mean, I don't know if you've played the Atraxa deck a lot, but I feel like this is one of those cards that comes out and just utterly dominates. Uh, to be honest, it hasn't gotten its chance to shine since I've added it yet. But I, from past experience, completely agree with your expectations. What other decks has it been in in the past? Or, or have you seen it played against you? Uh, it's been played against me. I think it was an, in a... I want to say it was in a Ural Miststalker Mist deck. Mm. I want to say I've seen it once one other time, but I can't remember what deck it would have been in. But this is just one of those cards that... Enchantments um, as a whole in Commander tend to be hard for people to remove. Mm-hmm. It's the one, it's the it's the card type that has the least removal default in people's decks. For sure. 
Yeah. And so this is one of those enchantments that becomes a must respond to scenario for a lot of like if it's in the deck, then the deck is usually built to take advantage of it. Right. And this is one of those scenarios. Oh, uh, it's yeah, it's one of those cards that like it makes it really hard to sort of take your opponent's board presence down because you kill that creature and that thing gets all the a whole bunch of counters mm-hmm. and you're like, well, I didn't really do myself any good by doing that. You, you right. kind of have to board wipe or nothing. Um, Even sometimes board wipes that are only like damage based. Yeah. Because uh, you now you you have a thirty thirty or whatever. Um, yeah, or they manage to save like one creature and then all of a sudden they're just going to kill you with the with the um, crackback. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's kind of like um. A little like Rayhan, Last of the Abzan, which is another of the partner commanders that mm-hmm. came out in C16. So, yep. yeah. Oh, this is a cool one. Yeah, you want to read it? So, Janara, uh, Asura of War. I don't know what an Asura yeah. is, but <clears throat> uh, that's a three-mana green, white, blue for a 3-3 three, three flying legendary angel. You can pay one and a white, put a 1-1 one, one counter on Janara. <clears throat> and again, you can. it doesn't tap or anything, so as much as you've got one and a white, you can put that many counters on. Yeah, Man, this, this why didn't kind of, we talk about this card before? This theme seems perfect. Yeah, it's it is perfect because it creates something very similar to Atraxa that benefits from Atraxa and also just can get huge. I mean, I, I think some people build Voltron decks around this, obviously, but I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> it's like just Green Mantis Rider on crack. <laughs> yeah, it just feels like a, you get it out for a couple turns and you're just gonna you're just gonna destroy somebody because, I mean, it just gets huge. It's gonna get ginormous. Yeah. Yeah. So Janara, I, I sort of view, uh, it's not just Janara, but it's a class of creatures I view as sort of like, it's almost like a flag bearer. They're, they come out on the table, and even though mechanically they don't force opponents to target them, mm-hmm. table politics-wise they force ap- opponents to target them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Janara is a great example of one that, as you said, when she comes out, she is threatening inherently just by her in her built-on mechanic. And then with Atraxa, she becomes even more threatening. But again, she's the one threatening by virtue of having Atraxa out rather than right. having them targeting Atraxa. Right. So either she's going to bash your face or you're going to be forced to respond to her. I feel like if I had to target one of the two and they're both swinging at me, I would probably go for Janara unless I was in danger of dying to commander damage, right? Yeah, it's really interesting. And also the fact that Janara costs three mana, so you can play her the turn before you play Atraxa. And now mm-hmm. the opponent's in a really sticky situation where if they can't board wipe they can and they can only kill one, which one? They're both kind of bad. And you're yeah. right. I think in that case, you kind of got to go for the bigger immediate threat, which is Janara, which if your deck is playing something that protects its commander, mm-hmm. you know, at the very least for three mana, that's pretty good. And yeah. then a lot of times they're just like, oh, well, I don't even have an answer. And then they just die. <laughs> yeah, then they're going to take 10 in the air, 12 in the air, and dead. That's my favorite sort of response. Yeah. <laughs> um, a question I had, uh, and, and actually it's just maybe more of a statement, but it seems like the ads you're making here um, really help sort of put up little pillars, I suppose you would call them. If a tracks is a pillar in the deck where you can play it and it can definitely, hopefully, eventually kill someone, so is a card like Janara, and so is a card like uh, the Armory of Irawas, which is an equipment that whenever an equipped creature attacks, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it, which works perfectly with the deck. It seems like it's a really uh, interesting idea to not just focus everything on just Atraxa. Like, Atraxa's ability affects everyone, but every creature has the ability to get huge. Even the Birds of Paradise we talked about earlier could be a lethal threat eventually. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, the cons- I, I, that might be 
a holdover pers- uh, holdover philosophy from back when you could tuck commanders. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But in, now in the era where we can't tuck commanders, it's less critical. Uh, but also it's just good deck building that sometimes you need, that you need to have multiple threats and multiple mm-hmm. ways to get your deck going. There's nothing worse than being in a commander game and having your deck just firing blanks while everyone <laughs> else is building up their, their armor. Right. I like that you said that because we still sort of espouse the virtues mm-hmm. of making sure that your deck is still doing stuff even if you're, something happens to your commander because of Tuck. But also there are just times when because of commander tax or whatever, you just can't play your commander. And so it's, yeah, it's good to have things in your deck that are going to, on their own, still win you the game. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to use cool cards like Army of Erewas, which is actually something I may put into my Marchesa deck he now keeps, that I think about he it. He keeps putting game or games cards on that I'm like, man, we should have talked about this card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ar- Armory is interesting. It's one that I have. I don't think I've actually played in a commander deck before. Uh-huh. It might It might have had a brief appearance in my Zergo. Um, oh, right. Helm Smasher. Mardu deck. Yeah. But I'm not sure that it actually stuck around because for those equipments, I tended to want them to be more immediately threatening rather than long-term investments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I'm interested to see how it does in this. It's another one that hasn't gotten to come up. I've probably played three to five games with some of these additions. Um, so some of these cards just haven't gotten to be seen yet. Let's talk about the um, the cards that you took out and sort of why some of those choices were made. Because I think that's really interesting too and something that a lot of players run into, especially when they're building in this way, which is usually like a newer player that's trying to take a, a pre-con mm-hmm. and sort of start to upgrade it over time. It can be hard to figure out which deck or which cards in the deck you want to take out. Um, yeah, the first one on the list is Manifold Insights. Yeah. So this card is two and a blue. It's a sorcery. It says, reveal the top 10 cards of your library, starting with the next opponent in turn order. Each opponent chooses a different non-line card from among them, and then you put the chosen cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. That sounds complicated. You flip over 10 cards. Each other player gets to pick one of the cards that you get, and then the rest yep. uh, go on the bottom of your library. So they sort of choose three or four cards for you, depending on how many people you're playing against. They will, right. if everyone's playing the spikiest, choose the three, if you're playing with four players, pl- choose the three worst cards to put in They'll your hand. They'll give you all lands. However, no, it's a different non-land. Oh, it's non-land, sorry. Yeah, it however, it's, it still, it's still three mana for potentially up to three cards if you're playing in a four-player group, which seems pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I would have taken this out of the deck too, and I'm curious why, Trick, uh, this sort of stuck out as something that you could replace. Looking at the deck, when I looked at the you know the variance of what people might pull out of the deck, mm-hmm. uh, what the what the the variety of possibilities are, and what they might what I'm what what could I end up drawing out of this? I didn't feel like the return the possible return was going to be worth it because mm-hmm. this is a card that I think is more well suited for something that makes use of dredge or just wants you to have a number of cards in hand rather than the choice of cards. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really even I don't I don't have any of those decks. Like that's just not a thing that I'm keen on. Mm-hmm. And so this card just I'm I'm not interested in playing. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense too. And if you're not I mean for instance a card like scroll rack would be great with manifold insights. You can really right. pick and choose. Yeah. You can put seven lands and three non lands and automatically get yep. those cards and filter through that part of your deck. But in this case, it, it, it seems like it's yeah it's asking to get built around a little more, um, and otherwise it just has a lot high level of potential just womp whiff. <laughs> it certainly doesn't uh, interact with proliferate in any way. 
That's a good point. Right. Um, there's also a counterspell in the deck, the one and only, we talked about this on the show, uh, we thought it was kind of a weird addition to be in there, but Disdainful Stroke, one in the blue for a counter target spell with converted mana cost four or greater. Are you a big counter kind of guy? Uh, I will play counters. I'm not opposed to counters, but this isn't a deck where I'm particularly driven to. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have, I have, I think, two counters in the Super Friends deck, and in this deck, again... I'm more interested in currently furthering the theme and and building out some more things that Atraxa can work with, than having a one lone uh, a singleton counterspell. Mm -hmm. Also, for us, I think if you're gonna have a two mana counterspell, you can just put counterspell in and have <laughs> yeah. no restriction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just make it straight real counterspell. Although I will say that when we played these out of the box and the out of box, the disdainful stroke uh, won me the game. So you know. Yeah. No. But any counterspell would have done it in yeah. that situation. So. Right. <laughs> oh, here's an interesting one. This one actually knocked you out of the game. Yeah, and it was a huge blowout when it happened. It's Grip of Phyresis. It's one of the cards I'm actually most excited about coming out because I, I love stealing cards. Uh, two in the blue for an instant. Gain control of target equipment, then create a 0-0 black germ creature token and attach that equipment to it. But it's an instant. It's an instant. Very right. interesting. Yeah, you just can steal an equipment, and it's then you an can instant. potentially block with it. You can you can take someone's... I mean, stealing equipment is something that you don't really see. In the really middle see. of combat? In the middle of combat, yeah. Yeah, that's the part that really messes you up. It's an instant. Yeah. But you took it out of the deck. Did you, did you have a reason for that? Um, unlike you, I'm not big on stealing things. <laughs> that is, that's definitely part of He's it. He's a law-abiding citizen. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it's just that... Uh, Usually, when I, if I want to steal things, I want my deck to, again, be focused on stealing things. Right. This is similar to the counterspell, where it's this one-of effect that doesn't really do anything but give me a wacky sort of effect that I could do during the course of the game. Mm -hmm. And so, when I look at the cards I add, even the Armory of Erois, I would say, is is more valuable to my deck as a whole than the Grip of Phoresis. Right. It sounds like you're skewing more towards cards where you know what it's going to do and when it's going to do it like something like grip sometimes against a lot of decks it does nothing yeah, because does they don't absolute have, nothing yeah. yeah so there's right you know the the person that may be your real enemy right now at the table might not be the one that has an equipment on their creature mm -hmm. in which case that card is just stone dead for you yeah and stealing that would be <clears throat> awful <laughs> from yeah. someone else that may be trying to help because now all of a sudden you just made an enemy out of somebody and your real enemy is somebody else yeah yeah not, not yeah, the yeah, best yeah. policy exactly um Oh yeah, crystalline crawler. I was really, I was really surprised. I think to see that you'd taken this out. So it's the four mana artifact creature. It's a one one and has converge though. So it enters with a number of one one counters on it uh, for each color of mana spent to cast it, and you can remove a one one counter from it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool, and you can tap it to put a plus one plus one counter on it. So it sort of is a mana dork but it sort of can come in with up to four in this deck mm -hmm. uh, mana that you can sort of save from turn to turn, so to speak. It's kind of a little bit gemstone array. -y. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because it is a 1-1, one, one, so it's not like a 0-0 zero, zero that, that will die if you cast it for just colorless, um, and it can slowly add counters onto itself, um, and it creates any colors of mana, uh, which seems pretty good with proliferate, right? You get to add more counters to it. it. It gets to slowly generate more value, potentially up to adding two extra mana every single time you get to proliferate and tap it, but it's not in the deck. Yeah, so actually, 
I think I'm, I led you astray in how I got, sent you the card changes that I made to the deck because you were comparing Migratory Route to Birds of Paradise, which yeah. uh, was a byproduct of how I picked the stack of cards up to, to <laughs> type them in. I know. The I wasn't it, figured, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't an order for order. And so to me, Birds of Paradise is what replaced this crawler. Uh, gotcha. Okay. And um, while it definitely has the, the you know the, the, the interaction with, uh, with Proliferate, the truth is, is that I have in my time playing commander never really loved the counter based mana effects mm-hmm. whether it's gemstone mine or uh things like this because uh with with the exception of things like you know the, the cornucopia or uh the ones where proliferate can let it make more mana right mm-hmm. but if it's just like oh you you need to keep counters on this to be able to continue to produce colored mana mm-hmm. or to produce any mana then it's not something that I'm really keen to keep around because I think there are just better options. That's would, a really good point, actually. I would say also, Birds does feel, I think, a lot better in this deck than even Crystalline Crawler, um, possibly because Crystalline Crawler costs four mana. Yeah. Yep. Attracts a cost four mana. So you get into these weird situations where it doesn't help you ramp to your general, mm-hmm. where Birds, if you play Birds on turn one, two, then you're playing a Traxmat possibly on turn three, which is a lot better than playing... You know, maybe Crystalline Crawler on turn four and then attracts a turn five. Right. I, I think both of those things can be good, but I can see where, like, just for speed reasons, a lot of times, like, ramp at four and five is just not as useful because by then you should be casting big things rather than ramping into big things even later. Yeah. Right. And the comparison to Astral Cornucopia, I think, is great because you're right. That that will add you four each time you tap it, whereas for Crystalline Crawler, you're just getting a couple of extra counters. You have to remove them, so you're playing this more delicate game, and it just doesn't get you the straight value that you would just get out of a card like Astral Cornucopia with Proliferate. I still right. really like Crystalline Crawler. I just want to say that for all the listeners out there. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, do, I like it, I do too. think it's interesting how people sort of look at cards and 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 what's the word, evaluate them slightly differently. And, you know, so many times I've talked to somebody and they've been, like, laid something out. And I'm like, man, I never thought about that. You're right. Like, yeah, you know, it's good to keep an open mind about things like that because I think something people do is that you look at Kristen Crawler and you don't think about, it's four mana. Yeah. Yeah, yeah It's really easy to get caught in your sort of logic holes, like loops of like, well, this doesn't work because of this, and so it will never be good. It's like, yeah. well, or this is always good. You right. know? I think those are really dangerous statements to get into, and it's always nice to talk to other people and figure out what how they evaluate cards because everyone has a reason they're doing something, and that reason often has merit. Um, now, there are two cards that you took out in particular. Josh and I love board wipes, obviously. Uh, but there's Bane of the Living and Languish. Both of these are essentially cards. Uh, Languish is a sorcery. Bane of the Living is a morph creature. Uh, but their effects are to give minus four, minus four to all creatures in Languish's case. And in Bane of the Living's case, it's minus X, minus X, depending on how much mana you sink into it. Um, now, I think minus four, minus four in Commander is pretty mediocre. It often won't get rid of a lot of the important things, like the Avacins and the, you know, the giant, giant creatures that are really threatening. The Ulamogs. The Ulamogs, yeah. <laughs> um, Bane of the Living is a little more flexible, but you have to put a ton of mana into it. Um, I kind of think I know where the answer is going, but why did these two semi-board wipes come out? For the majority of my decks, I don't really rely on board wipes unless I'm playing either a more controlling or a more Voltron-style deck. Mm-hmm. Like, my Zergo deck is all about, I'm going to kill all your creatures and still be left holding Zergo. Right. And uh, for Super France, it's like, I'm playing Planeswalkers, I'm going to keep all of your creatures off the board. And for this deck, in my mind, I really want to keep my creatures on the board as much as possible. And 
while I while I do have like the what is it the chalice that gives um, com, a cauldron of souls. Oh, yeah, while it does oh, have cauldron of souls right, that helps persist. keep that happening. It, that's mm-hmm. only a one card way of keeping them on the board. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at what I had in the deck. Those two cards kill a lot of what is in my deck right. with, with, if they have no counters. Yeah, so you just don't want to be in a situation where you're like, well, I don't want to play this because I don't want to destroy my board. Yeah, language kills Atraxa immediately if she has no right. counters on her. Yeah, and again, it's not like that, that. That is by no means me saying that having those in the deck is wrong. It's just in the way I want to play, I don't want to... I'm sort of taking the passive, I'm going to build up my army, and you guys do what you want to do. If you interfere, so be it. But I'm not really going to interfere with your guys' army. I like and it. then I'm going to crash in and destroy you. Yeah, right. pretty much. With Jinara yeah. plus Atraxa, a little army of Erewas. Jinara's pretty good. It's a, I didn't really... <laughs> Jinara's it's, I mean, it's three mana. <laughs> Jinara's really good. Yeah, that's a scary... If somebody plays Jinara on turn three, every person at the table is like... Don't attack me, don't attack me, don't attack me. Don't <laughs> yeah, attack anyone else but me, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pay, player on turn three, add two counters on turn four. Yeah, it's just brutal. Yeah. And, and off you're, you're off to the races. Yeah, certainly. Um, so we want to go into the cool stories portion of of our uh, podcast here. And I know you've only played the deck three or four times, but there were there any moments now playing having played the deck where it really shined or some cool synergy sort of fired off or any, you know, anything like that that sticks out in your mind? Uh, I mean, I've had one game where I just absolutely went nuts. Uh, I forget. I think we were all playing pre-cons, and mm-hmm. it was just one of those scenarios where what we were talking about at the beginning, where Atraxa wasn't that threatening, so I was largely left alone, and they were fighting amongst themselves, and then I just sort of started doing stuff. And then, I, if I recall correctly, I actually did cast. Um, I actually did cast Manifold Insights, mm-hmm. except that. One of the guys was about to go out, and so he decided to give me treasure cruise. <laughs> He's like, "I'm and almost dead. I'll just give you the best just card." Set, oh, yeah, I love those moments. That I live for those moments. <laughs> just and, in spite. And so, yeah, like ah, I'll give it to you. You haven't been doing anything yet. Take it out for me. <laughs> Pretty much. That's so I had a tracks out. I had um, I had Ishtai out. I had oh, yeah. Soulbinders oh, yeah. out. I, I, I had I brought Advocist out, and I was just going to town. I had thrummer, thrumming bird, so I was going off with an attack. Oh, every all your guys were just getting crap. huge. Yeah, just yeah. proliferate city. And it was just one of those things where I just had the army and none of them had board sweeps. Those are the best times where you're just looking and your board's just huge and you're just swinging and every time you yeah. just hold your breath and they're like... And then they pass their Got turn nothing. and your stuff's still alive and then the next person passes their turn and your stuff's still alive and you <laughs> untap and you're like, really? Kill you all. all right, everyone's <laughs> dying now, yeah. Pretty much. It is a very good feeling indeed. Um, so uh, is there anything that you're also looking forward to upgrading or changing about it in the future through your uh, small amount of play testing yet? Or is there anything that's sort of like, hmm, that was kind of cool how that worked or whatever? Yeah, so I had, like I said, my uh, I'm looking for cards that I don't think people know about or things that are perhaps not super well known. So I've got a card that I, I came across that I, I'm curious to see if you guys know what it is well, that hmm. I think I'm going to add to the deck. Okay, okay. It's a Dissension Uncommon. And it's Palliation Accord. Have, has anyone played this against you? Palliation Accord. Palliation Accord. I've never even heard that word before. All right. This this is going to be one of the fun cards I throw in the deck that's going to make people sort of roll their eyes. Because it's... <laughs> what? I'm reading it <laughs> right Whenever now. a creature an opponent controls becomes tapped, put a shield counter on Palliation Accord. Remove a shield counter from Palliation Accord. Prevent the next one damage that would be dealt to you this turn. <laughs> it's actually really good. Yeah, especially yeah. in this deck. Um, wow. Look at that. 
That's actually really good. Yeah. Well, it yeah. automatically takes off one damage from every creature attacking you at the very least. As right. long as as long as they don't have vigilance. Yeah. 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 Um, but then, yeah, with proliferate and some other doubling season, doubling season. Also, yeah. it 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 triggers when they attack each other. It doesn't care if they're attacking you. It should, or, yeah, or if they're tapping a mana dork. That's true. Oh man, against my Tim deck. Yeah. Holy cow! I've never even so heard of this was... card. This is awesome. <laughs> Palliation so Accord. That was one of those cards I came across that I was excited about. Uh, again, going back to the uh, the archives of cards I haven't played with in years. Another card that I'm excited to throw in here. Phantom Neshoba. Oh yes, uh, it's a, this is the the green uh, tiger with the most green white, green yeah. white. Yeah, so this is a card that I've always wanted to play as well. Five a green and a white for a zero zero cat beast spirit. Doesn't get much better than that. It's got trample. Nope. It enters the battlefield with seven plus one plus one counters on it. Whenever it deals damage, you gain that much life. So old school life link. And if damage will be dealt to Phantom Neshoba, prevent that damage, and you remove one counter from oh, it. Oh, yeah. There's a few creatures with that last ability. Yeah, so this is sort of right. like, again, the pillar, another pillar in the deck that can just destroy everyone because it's always going to get the counters back. It's going to be very it's hard very to very hard to block, and it has Trample as well. Yeah. Oof. It's, um, if this was a 14-14. The art on 14, this thing is sweet. It's oh, like man. Ghost Tiger. <laughs> it is a Cat Beast It is. It's pretty chest, sweet. Please. <laughs> it's like, but it's got... It's, Anyway, I'm on radio and I'm trying to describe art. It's not going to work. Look, watch the video on uh, youtubecom slash zone podcast. Yes, you should. Totally. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would love to see Phantom in the show, but finally see the light of day. Uh, That's right. Because this is a card that I've always wanted to play. It just, it just seems so silly and great. The, the At trampolis. seven, it's kind of expensive, but it seems like the combination between it and an attractor is just going to be super sweet. Yeah. And it's another uh, lifelink source as well with the Traxas. So oh, it, good point. You know, you're going to, I mean, yeah. with this deck, you kind of last a long time because you've got lifelink. You've got a lot of big creatures that need to get dealt with. And uh, a Traxa has Death Touch, which I think is really underrated, because, yeah. and Vigilance. So you always yeah. have one good blocker. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty sweet. Palliation Accord. Holy crap. <laughs> my mind. I, I don't even know. I might not be able to sit, be very much help for the rest of the podcast because nope. my brain is just going, what I just other blew decks your can mind. I put Palliation Accord in? <laughs> what decks can it go? Making all my uh, and, decks now. <laughs> there are a couple of other obvious cards that I just didn't have in the box and I haven't put in the deck yet because mm-hmm. they're in use elsewhere. But like for more proliferate things like Contagion Engine and Inexorable Tide yep. are the two obvious ones. Yep. Um, those are and both very good cards. Also, a card from not too far, actually, a more recent card, mm-hmm. uh, Drana, Liberator of Malakir, definitely needs to go into this. Ah, so yeah, whenever Drana, uh, she's a flying first strike, two, three, whenever she deals combat damage to a player, you put a plus one, plus one counter on each attacking creature you control. So this deck, again. And she has first strike, so it actually happens before yeah. the rest of your yeah. creatures deal damage. It's, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Very cool. I've That's... always wanted to, to draft this card and play it, but I never, I never saw it in the pack. It just looks so broken. Yeah, in draft, it is broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's broken actually in the attraction it deck. Is, it is really powerful in draft. Yeah. yeah. Well, you play this on turn three and then play Atraxa, you know, and then swing. swing. Now she's a four five first strike flyer uh, because Atraxa will proliferate at the end of turn, yeah. But also, I think one of the things with the Atraxa deck that we've seen, I don't know if you've had this experience trick, is that just getting the first counter on stuff is really where you want to be. Like you want, yes. yeah. And once you get the first one, man, it's like a snowball rolling downhill, but it's just, I got to get that first counter on stuff. And then, then, you know, the birds of paradise is even growing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. I'll tell you that having the tracks out and having nothing that has counters 
it's almost like even if you're doing stuff and it's just not making use of Atraxa, it's one of those feelings that I just have really disliked with the deck. So I'm looking for more ways to really jumpstart the the counters on my permanents. Yeah, yeah, that's totally a, makes that's, sense. A, that's a great way to to look at it as well. Uh, it's that early interaction. All right, well, I think that wraps us up talking about the deck. Uh, Trick, thank you for your insights. I really liked hearing your reasoning behind taking the cards out and stuff. I think that's really valuable for a lot of our listeners as well because it's always nice to have other perspectives in here. Um, and uh, hopefully we can all take it a little bit to heart, and Josh is going to build around Palliation Accord immediately. I'm so excited about that card. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to order like 50 from Card Kingdom as <laughs> soon as we get off here. Um, so now we're going to go to the listeners. It's been a couple of weeks Commander 2016, you've got your hands on it, got your hands dirty, as it were. You've been able to tune up the decks, upgrade them, build whole new ones. Mm -hmm. We are really interested to hear what your cool stories are so far using the Commander 2016 legendary creatures. It can be the partners. It can be the four-color ones. I just want to hear the awesome, nasty stuff you're doing. I want to know the best partner combination. Uh, Oh, yeah. And especially, like, give me the partner combination and one card that really makes that deck go nuts. Or actually even experiences, like, do you ever have both partners out at the same time? Do you feel like it's just there for the colors or what? You know, I'd love to see what you all think about that uh, aspect of it as well. Yeah, I'm really interested. Yeah, the partners is a really good way to go because that's a tough nut to crack because there's so many combinations. Sounds like uh, an episode coming up soon on the command zone. (laughs) Help help us out. Help us come up with an episode. Yes, please. Um, Before we move on to the end step... Once again, this show is brought to you by the one, the only, CardKingdom.com. You can support the show by going to CardKingdom.com slash CommandZone. That is our affiliate link. It lets them know that we've sent you there. And uh, also, you know, you can get some cool stuff really fast in the mail. There's no reason not Just to Just leave some palliation accords for me, okay? Don't order them all before I have a chance to. That's all I ask. Well, this won't come out for a few more days, Josh, so you I'm getting be some safe. foily ones. <laughs> Just for Jimmy Wong. Just for me. I'll take a few. <laughs> all right. Now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Trick, you have something cool. I mean, I think it's very cool. I, I, uh, I'm a huge soccer fan. I love soccer. I love uh, football, as the rest of the world calls it. But here in America, we call it soccer. Mm-hmm. Does it ever... Uh, it, it's, it's sort of like, you're like you bashfully say soccer, right? Like I do when I call, have to call it soccer. But you have yeah. to call it soccer because you live in the United States. But it's, it's really football. It's football, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I felt that way. And then I learned that while it's definitely majority called football and also learning why it's called soccer... And learning that, the, like, for example, Italy calls it calcio because, or a, a more Italian pronunciation of that, uh, because they have <laughs> another game that they refer to as football. Oh, I didn't oh, know that. Wow. And that makes it, it much, made me more comfortable around? calling it soccer. That, actually, that makes me more comfortable, too, because, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, who's your team? Well, which league are you asking me about? Because I, I follow well, a number of teams well, around the world. Okay, well, who's your, like, if you only had one team in all of football... What team would it be? Well, it would have to be the local team, the Seattle Sounders. Woo! Go Sounders! Uh, see, I'm from Portland, so I'm a Timbers. <laughs> I'm a Timbers guy. Oh boy, the Sounders! But do you actually a, follow them, or are you just saying that because you're from Portland? I mean, I don't really follow, but if I ever would turn on the TV or look at an article or anything else where there's the Timbers involved, then I naturally have to root for them. Yeah, but you guys did pretty well this year. We're still doing very well, thank Sorry, you. Sorry, you're doing uh, well. That's my bad. We have our final... Uh, we're playing in the MLS Cup on December 10th, which will probably be... I don't know what day you guys are putting this out, but... It'll, it won't a, have happened yet. Yeah, not yeah, it'll yet. It'll be still in the future, uh, and we're going to be playing it in Toronto, which will be very cold. Uh, my wife and I seriously considered going to it. Oh, really? Um, and the only reason we didn't was is that we went 
on a family. We went on a trip earlier this year, and she has her niece coming to stay with us that weekend. So. Well, make sure you make the niece feel bad for making you miss a sweet I soccer game. To. I think the niece is saving you from some really cold weather. Yeah, Toronto's going to be real chilly in December. I think you're going to be like, thank you to the niece. Because I, I can still watch it on my TV. in Montreal in February. I can handle the cold. Yeah, there but you go. it would definitely be a cold night. Uh, who are they playing against? Uh, so they're playing against uh, Toronto FC. Mm-hmm. Who uh, Both of us, this is the first time the teams have made it to the MLS Cup. So it's super exciting. Oh, wow. The Sounders have made the postseason every season since they joined MLS eight years ago. And this year was a, a huge emotional roller coaster. We were in last for a lo- uh, several weeks. We struggled really hard. Uh, we actually fired our coach, who had been our coach since we joined MLS. Whoa. Hired the assistant to be the interim head coach. He and uh, a few signings in the middle of the season helped turn the season around and got us to the postseason. And then we made it to the we're, – we're here at the MLS Cup with a chance to finally win the trophy that we want the most. Wow. wow. That's pretty crazy. In last place? We, we were for a while in last place in the West. and we, It doesn't happen I, in sports very often of any kind. Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And, uh, I mean, we, we signed a big-name player who's definitely a major reason that we made the turnaround. But also mm-hmm. the, the new coach changed our formation, put players uh, in different – positions and they really took to him and we have a rookie uh who's a, a guy from seattle his father is actually the team doctor the team medic huh, cool. and uh he has really put the team on his back and helped us get to where we are and it's just been a fantastic season uh to be where we are now if you asked me midway through the season if we would have been here i would have said no way not a chance <laughs> it this was like it, a movie <laughs> this is incredible this story it, it was this pretty story awesome line. yeah so, Trick, did you play soccer? Like, how did you get into, you know, it, I'm assuming it's your favorite sport. Uh, it is now. Uh, I didn't, I played, like, youth soccer, like the YMCA sort of stuff. And right. I stopped playing when people started complaining because I was too big. <laughs> I, I'm not even joking. Like, when I was a little kid, I, I was, like, 10 years old, and they were like, why does that team have a 14-year-old on <laughs> uh, And it just was awkward, and I wasn't having fun, and so I played more basketball and things like mm-hmm. that. And honestly, uh, a combination of my wife and my old bosses get a lot of credit for why I got into soccer. Like even before I joined Wizards, I was the, was the World Cup in twenty twelve, or I mm-hmm. guess was yeah, it was the World Cup twenty ten. Yeah. It was the twenty ten World Cup. That's what oh, it okay. was. And um, that was sort of starting to get into it. Orlando had a team that was getting attention so we were going to get season tickets and then i got the job at wizards and we moved to seattle and seattle had an mls team yeah and also not only did they have an mls team they didn't have a basketball team and basketball was my main uh, sport before that way to pour and salt in all the wounds yeah yeah poor i still think sonics about fans it. i still think about it no, I, I, I would <laughs> eagerly welcome back the sonics i would too yeah. please please come back sonics um, that's fantastic, though. I, I'm glad that you got a team. Yeah, I mean, the Sounders, too, have had kind of a, a great uprising in Seattle in terms of popularity, how well they've done, uh, and, 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 you know, that combined with the Seahawks doing well, and, hey, if you guys win the ML, if we win the MLS this year, I mean, like, that, Seattle's having a pretty good swing around from once when I believe ESPN called it the worst year in sports <laughs> went to Seattle because we had an awful football team, we lost the Sonics and a whole bunch of other stuff, but... Things are turning around. It's getting sunny in Seattle. Yeah, finally. metaphorically. Yeah, metaphorically. <laughs> yeah, right now it's cold and rainy. As, <laughs> yeah, uh, sounds about right. Sounds like Seattle. Sounds like right. home. That's right. 
Well, very cool. Soccer is, you know, I should watch more of it. I played it all through high school, oh, and really? uh, yeah, and it's a game I really like. It's yeah. it's tough on the sleeping schedule, like we were talking about earlier. Oh, to watch, yeah, because the yeah, games are all international. Because a lot of the games are international, and so if you want to watch them live, you got to watch them at like four in the morning. Yeah. Well, some of them are at four. Most of them, honestly, if you wake up at seven on a weekend, then you'll be able to catch the majority of the European games uh, for the, the same for, as for, four the, in the, for the West Coast. <laughs> Fair, absolutely fair. I'm I I'm a morning am. person, so I'm usually okay. up at six or seven, regardless of the day. Uh, Is it because so. of your dog that you're a morning person? Because I'm becoming more of a morning person yeah. because of my dog. Yeah, me too. Uh, no, actually, Elwood wakes up after I wake up. Wow. Uh, he he will sleep in his chair until I wake him up to give him breakfast. He is <laughs> that's he amazing. Is, and then after I feed him and take him out, he goes back to sleep. I would uh, kill for that. My dog does nothing like that. My dog's your dog's not as cool as mine, Josh. No, not at all. My dog is. is like loud, bangs around if she's in her crate. If she's not in her crate, she'll, you know, smack me in the face with her paws, <laughs> yep. jump up on the bed. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Trick, thank you so much for joining the show this week. It's been a pleasure. I'm so glad that we finally got to get you back on. And, of course, I'm sure you'll be coming back as well to talk more about either this deck or what you've been doing to upgrade. Um, now, can you inform the listeners where to find you on the interwebs? Sure. Uh, first off, thanks for having me. It's been great. I'm excited we finally made it ha- happen. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, TrickMTG. Uh, you can find me on Reddit as TrickJare. That's my. Uh, I'm there on the Magic subreddit most of the times. And then, uh, of course, you can find me on DailyMTG and through Wizards. Uh, I'm not as often seen forthright, but I'm usually behind the scenes. I'll be at some Pro Tours. Hopefully, I'll be at some GPs next year. We will have to wait and see, but it's been awesome. And if you ever do see me, I've usually got a commander deck with me. Let me know, and hopefully we can get a game in. Sweet. Trick is very easy to spot because he towers above all the other people. Yes. <laughs> very true. <laughs> hopefully we'll see you at GP Vegas. I think we're all playing on the tending oh, next oh, year. Yeah. That, would, that would be a I, great. I will almost definitely be there, whether in work responsibility or just there to play commander. <laughs> Perfect. Sweet. Perfect. All right, time for the cleanup step. Make sure to listen and check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast and right next to us on Collected.Company, our new magic hub. And our editor for the show is Terry Robertson, who does the video content. Again, you can see every card that we talk about and our lovely faces. Well, that sounded weird. <laughs> On YouTube.com slash The Command Zone Podcast. Uh, it's a great way to watch the show if you, uh, for instance, don't know what the card is or forget what it is after we say it, you know, like a minute later and we're still talking about it and blabbering on. So you guys make sure you check that out, youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for making the living card animations that start and end the show. You can find him on Twitter at livingcardsmtg. Another thing you can find on the YouTube channel is our newest gameplay video. It's called Game Nights. You want to check it out. Trust me. It's a lot of fun. We're mm-hmm. hoping to do more of them. Make sure to visit our Patreon so you can support that. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans.